0: Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we continue to uh, break down our greatest of all time series, uh, I will say the most comments I've gotten so far uh, came on the pitching side. I was getting more comments about uh, best right handers of all time and uh, best pitchers of all time. And uh, People got hot hot yeah.
1: like takes on pitching, I think, more yeah. so than the outfielders and the, the infield. People really, really get uh, defensive of their pitchers that they like.
0: And uh, some good arguments were made. Sure, from we folks said that. that. I, we that I we said there. there was 30 players, right? We said all along. That you could name a ton of righties, and people let us know. Well, and you think of, again, if you put everything together, you have a nine nine positions, well, he's eight positions, right, for position players. So that means there's 72 that we're putting out there is the best of all time. Well, we're only able to do nine for right handers, or you put them together, 18 total, right? So that's going to make this list much more competitive, much more difficult, and many more uh, deserving. Uh, so, uh, with that, we, I will say that I found the best lefties of all time to be an easier uh, research to do than, than righties. Uh, there's those that. who have. Uh, who have just that much just above and beyond that kind of distinct, distinguish themselves from this. And so that's what we're going to get into here today. We're not going to go through any news and notes for this time. Uh, we're going to just dive into the our, our best lefties and— I would be remiss to say that, of course, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it was mentioned on our last uh, podcast that uh, just as much as we get ready for opening season for uh, baseball to begin, it's also uh, it was announced the opening season, the date possibly, for the uh, River Creek Popcorn. What was that date again?
1: It would be April 9th, which is a Friday, the week after Easter, so that whole weekend. Now... Today was a balmy like 40 degrees here in Wisconsin. We have a few more of those. The snow will be gone, and then I will guarantee you that it will be April 9th. So if we
0: keep uh, getting closer get rid of that to it, uh, we need uh, happy spring thoughts, and if that happens, then uh, popcorn and baseball just around the corner. That's right. Did you happen to – sorry, I'm going to cut you off. No. Did you happen to watch any of the college
1: games yet, specifically I Vanderbilt? Haven't. I haven't. If you get a chance to watch Vanderbilt play baseball, they have Jack Lighter and – Rocker, who are both pitchers, and they will both go in the top five in the, the summer's draft. And they were—I watched the night. Lighter struck out the side, like consistent
0: at hundred miles an hour. I'm uh, see. This is why I'm looking forward to the minor league reconfiguration when those guys can get on the summer circuit. Yeah, and when that gets advertised within that, I think that will be a, a fun thing to see. I think that's what's going to draw me into the like the college player game. I, I'm not as interested in, in college baseball at this point. Uh, but I think something like that, where you're pulling together the best of the best uh, into that into that league, uh, I, I think that's going to pull some uh, some interest there. Uh, so, but remember those might, names, get people. Me remember to, those uh, names, look people. At Vanderbilt
1: specifically Vanderbilt. Remember Kumar Rocker and Jack Clyder if you get a chance
0: and I'm sure we'll be talking about them as we get closer to summer and uh, at least mention the MLB draft and top guys that will be available. So uh, we'll keep them uh, on our radar as well. For now, let's dive into our best left-handed starting pitchers of all time. We'll begin with our honorable mentions. I will start with
1: a guy that I brought up last week, and it is Andy Pettit, famously of the Yankees. Went there, left for a while, went back to the Yankees. It's a lot of postseason success, right? It's a three-time All-Star, but it's the five World Series rings with the Yankees. And it's 256 wins to only 153 losses. I remember Andy Pettit as a young kid being like we talked about Bob Gibson being super intimidating, right? I remember Andy Pettit as the big intimidator in my time where he would, you know, move his eyes. He would tilt his hat way down, and then he would just look at you like under his eyes. And it looked so intimidating. And He's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He's been eligible three years. Last year, he brought in only 13%. So he's still on the ballot.
0: I really think he deserves to get that's, in. That's that's more steroid related than it is performance related. Uh, otherwise, I think he would have been in, in sooner. Uh, I hope he gets in. I think he's really good and deserving. As far as traditional stats go, we, we evaluate by wins, right? Uh, that's still been the biggie here. You get to 300 wins. That's your uh, benchmark. But Uh, For him, between 1995 and 2010, no pitcher accumulated more wins than Andy Pettit. Uh, Obviously, like you said, for his postseason dominance, uh, all-time leader in postseason victories, uh, in the final championship season of 2009, uh, Pettit pitched the clinching game in all three rounds of the Yankees' postseason run. Uh, At the age
1: of 37 at that point. He was up there by that point, so he'd already had four World Series by that time. He'd left the Yankees That was after his Houston and back to the Yankees, so... Postseason success deserves to be recognized in the Hall of Fame, too.
0: Absolutely, and uh, here's someone who, again, talent-wise, has what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. Eventually, we'll we'll get in. There's just some of the stigma that's there uh, that uh, it'll take baseball time to figure out what it wants to do with that era of, uh, of its game. Uh, For me, there's uh, two guys I'm going to briefly mention. One, I had the uh, privilege of watching when he was in his prime. I covered him uh, in the middle of his prime, and that's Johan Santana, uh, who, uh, with the Minnesota Twins, uh, when he was at his peak in those, especially those three seasons, uh, that was uh, uh, 2004 oh six. thank you, He won two Cy Young Awards uh, and is one of five pitchers to ever win the award unanimously twice. Uh, During that three-year span, he won 55 games, led the AL in strikeouts each season, and accumulated 23.3 wins above replacement uh, during those three seasons. So that's three seasons of averaging over seven, almost eight wins above replacement uh, each year. Injuries is what... uh, uh took him away, but that changeup was just lights out. No one could see it. It bottomed out by the time it got there. Everyone swung it and missed. Uh, again, an elite pitcher. Injuries uh, took care of that, but still considered one of the top 20 uh, lefties of, of all time despite that 12-year career. Started with the Twins, went to the Mets. Uh, and then finally, Tommy John. Uh, we know that name, that name is said so synonymously, people are, don't even know who that's associated with at this point. They know the Tommy John surgery. <laughs> Uh, And when all their favorite pitcher gets it, everyone laments it. But Mm -hmm. there's a reason why that has the name Tommy John. Uh, Here is a guy who uh, pitched uh, from 1963 to 1989, bounced around the league with various teams, started with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, 288 career wins, seventh all-time among Southpaws, Uh, four-time All-Star, won 20 games, Uh, three times after undergoing this innovative surgery that used to be a career killer. When you got this, you were done. Your arm was never the same afterwards. Uh, But this surgery that took place, the initial Tommy John surgery in 1975, he managed to come back. His arm was as good, if not better, than before, and winning 20 games three times after that surgery and finished with the runner-up for the NL Cy Young Award in 1977, three years later with the Dodgers yeah he
1: pitches till he is 46 years old with the Yankees that is a long time so 288 wins I am surprised I would have thought that Tommy John with 288 wins was in the baseball hall of fame but he apparently is not which is surprising now it's 288 wins to 231 losses which winning percentage whatever I said I don't always like it but I honestly did I thought Tommy John was in the hall of fame
0: and he apparently is not which is surprising to me Again, known for other things more than mm-hmm. performance, but should be known more for his performance. Uh, with how this career uh, three thirty
1: four ERA, that's yeah. that's really good. Like if you look back at it, that's like you said. Obviously, when you hear Tommy John, it's not oh Tommy John the pitcher, it's Tommy John the elbow surgery. But like you said, he's really the only reason that you know it is that is because he's the first one that really had success with it, and now it's. How many pitchers did we talk about? Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino. It's
0: now a common practice. Yeah. Chris uh, you're expected to bounce back from it. Uh, and that's uh, uh, innovation at its, at its best as far as uh, baseball is concerned. And for pitchers to be able to keep on, uh, to return from that and to have successful careers. And it all began with uh, Tommy John. I'm going to start off with my number nine. And it is another Tom. And it is Tom Glavin. So he's a
1: control specialist, much like his eventual teammate in Greg Maddox. I did not realize that he was selected in the fourth round of the 1984 NHL draft, but he chose baseball instead because he was chosen in the second round I of that draft. it worked out okay. I, yeah, it worked out okay. It started his slow career, though, in 1988, his first year. He had a 17-loss season, but by 1991, he'd figured it out. That's He won his first Cy Young Award that year, and the Braves won the World Series that year but lost. That would be the start of their 14 straight first-place finishes between him and Maddox and Smoltz, who we'll get to. I will say this: even though we consider him to have impeccable control, his walk numbers are pretty high because he basically never he would refuse to throw a pitch down the middle of the plate. He would rather walk someone and figure that he was going to get him out than throw it over the middle of the plate and give up a home run. Uh, Ninety-five, the Braves win the World Series. He is the MVP that season. In 2002, he just signs a free agent deal with the Mets where he's effective into his mid-40s. When it's all said and done, it's 10 All-Stars, 2 Cy Youngs, one of the best hitting pitchers of all time, 4-time Silver Slugger, uh, over 300 career wins, positive war, meaning he was a positive for his team the first 21 seasons until his last season where he went back to Atlanta, but only 2 seasons over 5 war, and I guess that's kind of why I knocked him down. It's not that he wasn't incredible, but it's more of a accumulator
0: skill set, I guess. Yeah, here's a guy who uh, I also have at number nine. Nice. Uh, and, again, it was more of cumulative stats, more than like at the peak years, uh, the way that we see from some other guys. But he does have 25 shutouts uh, in his uh, arsenal here in this part of his career. So when he was on, he was very on. Uh, and uh, eight. <laughs> I remember him the most. I believe he was in. I know Greg Maddox was in on it. But the old ESPN commercials when they're doing this is Sports Center <laughs> when all of a sudden you have the the, the trio right the, yeah. the the big trio that's known for the pitching dominance in Atlanta and then you have them out there in batting practice uh, launching balls into the stands. All super sight because chicks dig the long ball. Chicks dig- I remember that. So was, I still was, remember that commercial. He was commercial. like pumping iron, right? Yep, yep, yep. I remember that one. <laughs> so not the arm, but chicks dig the long ball. Unfortunately, there's a lot of truth and irony in that as far as how baseball has approached things and there's steroid past to go with that. But again, focusing on Tom Glavin, uh, again, someone who made it to the 300 uh, uh, wind plateau in modern baseball. Uh, The last
1: guys to do so. 2008 was his last season and he got there in 2007. So one of the last players to ever get there. And it might be a long time before we see that again. It could be. He he was your number nine too? My number nine. Okay. So I will move on to number eight. Now number eight is an active player. It is Chris Sale. So the unique delivery has always seemed destined to lead to arm troubles. We have everybody who's ever seen Chris Sale. He throws very violently across his body and it has always been said that Chris Sale is going to need arm problems. Well, he missed all of last season with Tommy John surgery. However, when he's pitched, he's been among the best all-time that we've ever seen. Ten seasons, and the first two with the White Sox were primarily relief. So in the years he started, he's a seven-time All-Star. He's finished in the top, song, top six in Cy Young all seven seasons, finishing second in 2017 to Corey Kluber that year. He has the best strikeout-to-walk ratio in big league history at this point. Let's just hope the Tommy John surgery is successful so we can see more Hall of Fame caliber pitching. It's probably a little higher than maybe he deserves, but assuming that he's got three, four more seasons in him here, I think he can be really good. It's been a positive war every season with five seasons over five already. So I I don't think Chris Sale is going to be done after this. I think he can be very good for a long time yet.
0: The key, obviously, is is health of showing that now afterwards uh, from a projection pick. I like it. Uh, I don't have him in my top nine. Uh, but I very much see if if he comes back as as sale of old uh, that he'll be on this list by the time his career is done. Uh, So, again, someone who is uh, elite level, Again, we know that Tommy John surgery is something that everyone, uh, by and large, is almost like in the 90th percentile at this point Mm -hmm. of people bouncing back and having very good careers afterwards. Uh, Some guys are now having it twice and and coming back. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, For me, this is where I have, uh, you went new school, I'm going old school uh you have Carl Hubble, who pitched for the New York Giants from 1928 to 1943 he was a two-time mvp again this was back before uh before cy young uh mm-hmm. pitched. So then so there was no cy young yet it was the mvp award and that's in, he won that in 33 and 36 nine-time all-star uh hall of famer in 47 won one championship with the new york giants uh one of the better nicknames ever the meal ticket nice that is legit. I and, did not know that. And uh, through arguably through the best uh, screwball in the game's history. not uh, a pitch you see anymore. So that is uh, uh, that's usually the one that gets you to the, the Tommy John surgery. Hello Brent Honeywell uh, yeah. but uh, here in 1933 he pitched 10 shutouts. Uh, that was when he won the first of his two MVP awards.
1: He a career. I did not know much about Carl Hubble, so I had to pull him up here. He has a career 298 ERA. So his career ERA in 3,590 innings is below three. That's pretty good.
0: Really good. The one time you can say Ty Cobb was wrong or not to take advice from Ty Cobb uh, came here. Uh, This was uh, the Tigers uh, gave up on him as a minor leaguer because Ty Cobb told him not to throw the screwball. Yeah, that that been bad
1: advice there. Poor choice, Ty, because the screwball. For those of you who don't know, the screwball works. Essentially, it goes the same way as your pitching arm. So if you're a lefty, it tails from righty from your right side to your left side, which is against what physics should allow. And it inverted, makes it, essentially. Yeah, inverted. Like it's the opposite of a. It's kind of like a two seam fastball, but you throw it with a lot of movement and a lot of slower. So it's very hard on the elbow. And who was last? I know they'd always talked about that you Darvish could throw one.
0: Yeah, you know, that gyro ball.
1: That, that gyro was, uh, ball. That was what made it. And he's obviously extremely successful and a great pitcher. But I don't know if we've ever really seen that. Uh,
0: Brent Honeywell, the he prospect has for the uh, for the Rays, was known for having an elite level one. Uh, we've never but seen now, it now. And yeah. and with the as many surgeries as he's had, he's healthy this year for the first time in in years. So I'm hoping for a good spring training for him. Just rooting for the guy, not just because of even a Rays fan, but just a a chance to success. get out there and prove. Wonder yeah. if he'll even throw it though, because like I said, it's so it's, hard it's on the questionable elbow at this point. But he's got the. Uh, Uh, stubborn moxie to (laughs) still maybe do it so we'll see
1: Uh, my number seven here is whitey ford so born edwin charles ford only 510 at his playing height second all-time in winning percentage with 69 very nice percent with pitchers over 150 wins he went nine and one his very first season and won his first world series before he missed two seasons two seasons serving his country in the army in the korean war Came back in 1953, didn't lose a beat, won another World Series. Part of five straight for the New York Yankees. Cy Young in 1961. Once again, with him, it's all about postseason success. Primary starting pitcher on a team that won 11 pennants and six World Series in 16 seasons with the Yankees. He won the World Series MVP in 61. At one point, he had 33 and a third consecutive scoreless postseason innings. He also passed away, unfortunately, last year, October of 2020. Rest in peace. 10-time All-Star. Positive war once again. Every one of his 16 seasons, five seasons over five war. It's it's the postseason success that puts him here for me.
0: And I have him also at uh, seven here. We have uh, the one thing I can add to this list is uh, Casey Stengel would, uh, uh, in the days before there was more of that uh, consistent manager. rotation. Yankees uh, manager Casey Stengel. Yep. Those of you who don't know. He, he uh, would always save uh, – uh, save Ford for their their toughest opponents, uh, so to still have that winning percentage in spite of that uh, speaks as another testament to uh, uh, to him. But uh, this was a guy who, <laughs> the, the, when you think of the the movie Major League, and you think mm-hmm. of uh, uh, oh, who's Ed Harris's uh, character, uh, you know he had all the different like vaselines and, and different yeah, uh, what uh, substances is his on his arm. Uh, Ed Harris, he was. Uh, uh, Whitey Ford was that guy before that guy. Uh, Chelsea Ross. Uh, known for scuffing the ball, throwing a spitball, even a mud ball. <laughs> so he, he did a little bit of everything with doctoring that baseball. Got to find an
1: advantage somehow. Yep, you got it. Got to find an advantage somehow. Uh, he wins 236 games and he only loses 106. So that's how you get to that 69 winning percentage, which is incredible. And he actually goes 2-9 the last couple of years of his career. So before that, as he wound down his career, it would have been even better. Uh, incredible the strikeout numbers are not anything close to what we see today his highest season was 209 so strikeouts weren't necessarily a thing then it was a whole different era of baseball players batted to try to make contact with the ball instead of trying to hit home runs my number six is steve carlton he started his career in 65 for the cardinals pitched two world series for them in 67 and 68 won one in 1967 at only 22 years old after winning 20 games for them in 1971, he asked for $60,000 for the next year to hitch, which promptly earned him a trade to the last-placed Philadelphia Phillies. Next season, he won the Cy Young, pitched a triple crown for a team that finished in dead last. That team won 59 games, and Steve Carlton won 27 of them. They won 59 as a team, and he won 27 of them. he went on to win three more Cy Young awards with the Phillies, leading the league in case five times, wins four times. He bounced around at the end of his career, the White Sox, the Giants, Cleveland, Minnesota, but all in all, it adds up to 10 times an all-star. He got a gold glove, 329 career wins, seven seasons over five war, including an 11 that first season with Philadelphia.
0: I said, on a worst
1: place team, he had 11 war.
0: Also at number six for me. uh, Man, we're on a roll here. We are. Uh, We're simpatico on this list. Uh, We have uh, with him here, again, part of the – it's hard to evaluate Steve Carlton, though, because he, he stayed in so long when he wasn't as effective in his final seasons mm-hmm. uh, with, with bouncing around, and I think that tarnishes him somewhat unfairly because uh, here's someone at uh, one two Cy Youngs at age 35 and 37. So he was effective late just because he st- stayed around longer. I don't know how that, because if, if he would have retired earlier, people would have had a bit of a different memory to him. We're going to talk about a guy towards the top, I'm guessing, for both of our
1: lists that retired pretty early.
0: That's very true. And
1: uh, obviously we have high th- thoughts of him. And like you said, if if he retires at age 37 there, yeah, he's, he's not quite to 300 wins, but he has years after that where he goes 6-14. and 14, He has a 9-14 and 14 there, and the ERA's inflated some of those years. So, yeah, I, uh, he's nicknamed lefty, right? Like he is the, one of the most famous left-handed pitchers of all time, obviously in the top nine. But, yeah, you could be talking – his
0: peak is right up there with anybody's. And, again, getting four Cy Youngs, uh, it shows you how, how that peak was good. So he, he has the longevity, and he has quality longevity Ten before this years, those years uh, came in, and then you have the peak years to go with it. So to me, you could easily make the case for that stretch that he's anywhere in the top three mm-hmm. uh, uh, for that list. But, again, you do stick around. You do have those members. That is part of your career. You don't get just to cut out the ones that you don't like. Uh, so, again, that being said, you still have a guy who's – In a top 10 list for greatest of all time. 30 complete
1: games that first season in Philadelphia. Wow. Started 41, he threw 30 complete games and won 27 of them with a 197 ERA on a team that I said finished dead last. That is incredible to me. You said he's also your number six? Yep. So we're still the same. Okay, so nine, number five, uh, Lefty Grove, born Robert Moses Grove, nicknamed Lefty, pitched nine seasons with the Philly Athletics and eight with the Red Sox. He led the American League in strikeouts his first 7 seasons. He led the league in ERA nine of his 17 seasons. So over half the years he pitched, he had the lowest ERA in the game. 7 seasons of 20 plus wins, a 30 plus win seasons in there, which we'll talk about here in a second cuz 1931 is incredible. Back-to-back pitching triple crowns in 1931 or 1930 and 1931. Uh Best winning percentage of any 300-win pitcher at 68%. He would have had much more impressive career numbers, but he pitched his first five seasons with the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles of the International League, which didn't count as MLB stats. But if you add those years in, they say that's another 108 wins to only 36 losses. So that's he gets a late start because that does not count at the time as the Major League Baseball. It was a different league. Positive war all 17 seasons with 10 seasons of 5 plus 4. So then we had to go back and talk about 1931 here because that is one of the more incredible years you're ever likely to see out of a pitcher. 31 wins to 4 losses, uh, two hundred four 206 ERA, and 175 strikeouts. So the pitching triple crown, he won the MVP award that year. Quite a
0: season. I was torn between him and someone else uh, that I have – on that, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to go with a different player than what I was originally thinking. We were almost connected here on this mm-hmm. one as well. I am going to go Clayton Kershaw here, mm-hmm. uh, and only because of he, it still surprised me. I thought he was older than 32. It feels like forever. he's older uh, than than 32. Been around uh, forever. And the question is his back, right? <laughs> if his if his back holds on now. At the same time, I went back and looked at the, his number of innings pitched for the number of years here. He's run 150 innings every time through, even with the back issues. So it isn't like he's been missing a considerable amount of time. There's always uh, that, you know, it cranks up a little bit. He goes in the DL a uh, IL for a couple of stints, and then he's back in. And then, again, congrats to getting his first ring uh, this past year. Awesome to see that. Uh, but uh, here's someone who has, and I know he's going to be higher up on, on your list, uh, uh Multiple Cy, Is he at three or four for Cy Young Awards at this point?
1: Ouch. I think he has three so far.
0: And still the chance for, for more. So he has been an extremely he good... He has three Cy Youngs and an MVP. He has two second-place
1: finishes in Cy Young also. He could have easily won four in a row from 2011 till
0: 2014. Abso- absolutely. And you have, uh, just think about that, a, a pitcher in today's game winning the MVP award. Uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, so that tells you the, how good of a uh, year that was. Uh, like I said, you can have him higher up on this list, and I wouldn't argue, uh, argue a bit. Uh, at 32, the question is, what does he have in the second half of his career? His first half has been already one of the top, putting him on the top nine of all time list. So what does the second half of his career does? He's at 175 wins. He's probably the one that has the best outside chance of healthy of at least surpassing 250 and getting closer to that uh, 300 win mark of anyone that's anywhere anywhere within a 10-year stretch of him at this point. So the second half of his career will define how high he goes up, and he easily can be top three, top two, top one, uh, depending upon where the second half of his his career goes. Yeah, I'll get to him. I just want to, now that I'm looking at this, so at 2000.
1: 12 is this? 2012 is the year he does not win the Cy Young Award. And it stops it. I'm gonna read you some stats here. Would you rather have a guy who had a 253 ERA or a 283 ERA? When five three? Mm, uh, lower, right? Okay. Nah, I would have lower, lower whip, more strikeouts. Because he had all of good. that, but somehow R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young Award and Clayton Kershaw didn't. Just because you expected that. Do- like I hate when we when players get so good that they just cannot live up to their own hype, it's almost like, like Clayton Kershaw clearly had a better year that year, but R.A. Dickey got it. He didn't. Famously, Mike Trout hasn't won a Player of the Week award in, what, like six years, even though he's consistently amazing? So, sorry. I'll get to yeah, him in a little yeah. bit. Number four for me is Warren Spahn, the most wins for any lefty in history. Uh, just as his pitching career started in 42, so did his career in the armed forces, and he participated overseas. Battle of the Bulge received a purple heart for a piece of shrapnel that stayed in his body, a shrapnel wound. He never lost it. Returned in 1946 to the Boston Braves, won 21 games that year with a league-leading ERA, and, and actually the next year, 1947, he led the league in ERA. Famously has a huge leg kick, moves with the Braves to Milwaukee in 53, winning pennants in 57 and 58, a World Series in 57 along with a Cy Young Award. He's another one. He so if we're talking about Kershaw getting better, he kept improving with age. He led the league in wins every year from his age 36 to his age 40. 21 seasons, 17 times an All-Star, 363 wins. He only starts 665 games and he finishes 382 of them. So he finishes over half the games that he starts. Positive war all seasons but one out of 21 and five over a five war Warren Spahn, a knuckleballer.
0: I'll be speaking of him very shortly, but this is where I have Lefty Grove. Mm. Uh, And uh, someone who, I guess what I'll add to what was said before, was here's someone who's won nine ERA titles uh, most ever. We mentioned his uh, career winning percentage trails only uh, Whitey Ford and uh, Pedro Martinez among pitchers who's won 200 or more games since 1900. Uh, It's an impressive list for things that he accomplished during his career uh and that's where i have him at this point so my number
1: three is mr kershaw if you haven't heard by now matt stafford now plays in los angeles and him and clayton kershaw went to the same high school so they can hang out again if you haven't heard that because i've heard it about 700 times uh he led the nl and era for four straight seasons which was the first time since a player a lefty that we're going to talk about both that neither one of us has said him yet and i'm guessing he's going to be number one for at least for probably both of us uh you mentioned the three Cy Youngs. He has an MVP award, fastest pitcher to ever hit 2,000 Ks. Did that in only 1,836 innings. He has never had a losing season. He, his first season he had a 4.26 ERA. Since then, his highest ERA is 3.03, and at this point, he has just shy of a 700 career winning percentage, which is the best ever with a career 2.43 ERA. Like you said, it's we don't know where his career is going to go from here. If it stays, he has shown no signs of decline, obviously. We've never seen that other than the back injuries. If he continues to do what he's done there, you can certainly make the case he will move up this list.
0: I just want to take this, this time as we're talking about this to mention appreciate greatness when it's here. Uh, so here you have someone who's already, and, and across the board, you can check all the major like networks, all that sort of stuff with, with sports, who have him in their top 10 uh, for best lefty of all time. To be able yeah. to recognize that when he is still pitching, uh, at age 32, watch a game. Watch him pitch. Uh, you just to stay you, up now, late if you live in Wisconsin and watch true. him, unfortunately. The West Coast style uh, is, is going to be there now. Again, you had a chance to see him in the, the postseason this year and winning the, the World Series there. Uh, but uh, when you have someone who's that good, uh, still in his prime, uh, health is the only issue there, uh, Appreciate it while it's here, because again, we're talking about putting together a greatest list that spans a hundred plus years, uh, and he's on it, uh, and in the in the top five and in top three for for some. So catch a game if you're a baseball fan. Catch a game while he's while he's in his prime. Well, that means that we both have the same top two. Now it's oh, a matter let, of let me, the... I should probably oh, just jump in here, Warren Spahn. This is who I have at number three. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we have uh, uh, from everything that you, that you mentioned there. Uh, here's someone who uh, had 13 20 win seasons, uh, 382 complete games. So, like his win percentage isn't is good, but it's not great. 363 wins, 245 losses, but that's because he stayed in every game. Uh, so, uh, 63 shutouts, uh, and definitely a, an excellent uh, pitcher there. Uh, doing all that during one of the high offensive peaks in the golden era uh, also says a lot to his uh, his numbers as well.
1: As I said, I'm assuming now that we have the same top two. Now it's just a matter of do we have them in the same order. So, my number two is another guy who pitched during a very offensive era, and that is Randy Johnson, drafted by the Braves in 1982. Imagine if he had signed with the Braves, because uh, man, that could have been even a better rotation. But yeah. instead, he chose to play basketball and baseball at USC, and came back a few years later. This time, he got drafted in the second round, not the fourth round, by the Expos, and he said yes. Six foot ten, tallest player in history. Dominant fastball, that's where he gets the big unit nickname. Traded to Seattle for Mark Langston, where he proceeded to lead the league in walks for three seasons. But famously, then he sits down with Nolan Ryan, and uh, actually Nolan Ryan was against him that day in 1992, and Nolan Ryan helped him out a little bit, and Randy Johnson struck out 18 that day, and his career seemingly changed. He reeled off three straight seasons leading the league in Ks, including a Cy Young in 95. 96, he has back surgery, so kind of Clayton Kershaw-like, but recovered, got traded to Houston, and was a free agent at age 35, and people kind of thought his career was going to be done, but signed with the Diamondbacks, where he reeled off four more Cy Youngs, including a couple of Triple Crowns, uh, posted more wins than after his age 35 than before he turned 35. So if we're talking about Kaiser. Like, some of these guys have incredible late-season careers. If Clayton Kershaw can do that, we can see him really high up this list, but... Randy Johnson World Series MVP with Arizona in 2001, led the league in K's 9 times, second behind only Nolan Ryan, 10 seasons over 5 WAR, positive all 22 years, really incredible pitcher to watch.
0: And so this would be the the last time if I'm if I have this right the last time there was a 300-win pitcher because this was 01 for him. Uh, if I'm remembering probably if, if right. I'm remembering yeah. that correctly. Uh, the most unique pitcher we've ever seen. Uh, there isn't a six foot 10 lefty who can throw 100 miles an hour uh, that was like him, which is why it, it took him it took him a long time to figure out his own body and his own stuff. Mm-hmm. But once the light came on, once he got his mechanics down, uh, it was Hall of Fame level the rest of the way. Uh, and and that's what you have. And uh, we're still only talking the first, like, three seasons. I mean, there's some erraticness that would just pop up early on in his career still during all-star seasons. That's how good his stuff was. He still wasn't at his best, evidenced by the fact that he, what he's best known for is the uh, the elite second half of his career. It's not that his first half was, was bad, uh, but his second half uh, was just at a whole different level. Uh, and to have a 10-time all-star uh, the five Cy Youngs, uh world series MVP. It was fun watching him in that, uh, in that series. I remember watching that series so well and him coming back in, uh, after just pitching within the day or two, and then just crushing it. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, again, another one that you were able to, to watch that happened in, in our modern era. Uh, so I doubt there'd be any other pitcher like him, Uh, You could have him number one on this list, and I'd completely understand that and support that decision as well. Uh, But there is one other person that we both have, I'm assuming, here at number one, Uh, and I'll let you kick us off.
1: The guy that we're both going to have here at number one has a much shorter career than the rest of these players. Randy Johnson pitches 22 years. Sandy Koufax pitched 12 he also had a college basketball scholarship, University of Cincinnati, but started a little baseball while there, and, well, the, the rest was history. Signed by the Dodgers scout who saw him pitching in a college game, he kind of struggled with control initially, but figured it out when he got to the Dodgers in 1958. And from 1961 to 1966, it's probably the best pitching stretch ever. It's six All-Stars. It's three Cy Youngs. It's an MVP, three trip pitching Triple Crowns, so five straight ERA titles three pennants, two World Series MVPs. Then he retired at the age of 30. He said, I'm done. As the two-time defending Cy Young winner, because he had some arthritis flaring up in his elbow, making him the youngest player ever inducted into the Hall of Fame. So he only plays 12 seasons, but it's six seasons over five WAR, including a 10 and a 9 his last two seasons.
0: Yeah, he went 97 and 27 in his final four years. <laughs> uh, he In 1965, he struck out 311 more batters than he walked. Uh, the only pitcher to ever strike out 300 more than he walked in a season. So uh, otherworldly numbers uh, during his peak and still getting to double-digit seasons uh, makes that still possible to be number one on the list like this. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very
1: slow start to his career. Like, if you look at it, from 1955 to 1959, he was below 500. So his first five years, he's below 500. Then something changed. He was actually below 500 again in 1960. And then from 1961 to 1966 there, he goes 129 and 47, where he's averaging 22 wins a year. He's got a 219 career, or an ERA over that time. And, And then it's a little bit of what could have been, right? We don't know what could have happened. If his elbow hand flared up, how long could he have pitched? How good could it have been? But what we saw was dominant and great already. So we both have him at number one.
0: And again, I think for those reasons mentioned, you could easily put Randy Johnson here, mm-hmm. uh, because because health does matter because those things do factor in uh, to this. If someone wanted to say, well, Randy Johnson was able to give you twenty years, uh, and we saw the level of, of that he did. Yeah, I I have no problem with that argument either. Again, you're talking one A and one B, and however you choose to to rank them here makes complete sense. You're talking about the best who've ever who've ever played and there's no question on either one of them, Sandy Koufax or Randy Johnson. So you're talking about nicknames, baseball reference
1: his as the left arm of God.
0: <laughs> I saw that one. Wow.
1: That's uh I did
0: not know that was uh, a nickname. That is that is something else. Uh different uh Miami Dolphin fans have been trying to say <laughs> that about, about Tua. Uh and uh We'll wait to see on that one. Sandy Koufax can gladly hold on to that nickname by himself for quite some time. So next time, Relief Pitchers, is that the plan? Yeah, so we'll be uh, coming back with uh, uh, looking at the best closers of all time to wrap up our Greatest of All Time series. And then we'll be uh, taking a one-week one, uh, one week breather to... Uh, uh, transition to uh, NFL to do our uh, uh, draft uh, uh, big board. Uh, so we'll get you uh, uh, what Corey's top five of every position is, and I'll have mine as well. And uh, we'll get you ready for the NFL draft season as something that we've uh, enjoyed doing last year. And so we're expanding that coverage to three podcasts this year to have our, our top five at every position, uh, and then to the, our mock draft, and then our, our recap coverage that will be there as well. And by the time we finish that up, we will be looking at uh, division by division previews as we get ready for the uh, upcoming regular season. It's getting closer, people. By the
1: time you hear this, or if you haven't, maybe not quite yet. If you listen right away, but otherwise, there should be some games on TV this weekend. Tune in.
0: It's uh, time for uh, for some live baseball. So with that, uh, we'll see you next time.